Hello everyone and welcome back to Footprints. This month it is all about well-being and how getting out and about, especially into nature, does us the world of good. We know this. And walking, we know, is a great form of exercise. But it's also a time to think, reflect and maybe slow down and notice the details and the beauty of the world around us. Later on in the show, we'll hear from Chris Pound, Mr. Spa Towns of Europe himself, talking about how landscapes have been seen therapeutically over the centuries. And George Cook will tell us about the natural pathway sessions he runs at Bath City Farm. But first, let's get our boots on and go off for our very own wellbeing walk. It was Be Well Week in March and Bathscape's Walking Festival organiser Lucy Bartlett put on a wellbeing walk for students. Lucy and I used to meet up on Zoom every week during season one to record our walking section. And so what a great opportunity to tag along and catch up with her once again. Cup of tea. So this is one of our wise words with walking women sections, isn't it, Lucy? It is. Not only that, it's wise words from walking women about our weekly wellbeing walks. <laughs> yeah, tell me about the wellbeing walks. We have them every day of the week, starting in different parts of Bath, and they're generally about an hour's walk, a flat, reasonably gentle, maybe a bus somewhere, and then a walk back. Then we have them leaving from different bits of Bath each day of the week. Some of them aimed at older people, some of them focusing more on people who might be experiencing poor mental health. And we've just started a new one on a Monday evening for people who are working during the day. And we started that in January, so right in the middle of winter, just thinking it's nice for people to get, get out with a bit of company when it's still dark. So we're here in the Student Union, we're going to meet some students and we're going to go on a student wellbeing walk. Tell me about that. Yeah, so this week is Be Well Week which is organised by the union and um, it's, a, it's a week of wellbeing activities and so we said to them, well, we would love to do a walk, a wellbeing walk up here. Um, it's going to be a bit further than our wellbeing walks normally are because it's also an opportunity to take the students off campus and down into some of the beautiful National Trust lands near, just, just off campus really. Yeah, it's going to be a nice walk. It's an amazing university for its setting, isn't it? You just literally walk away from the edge and you're in countryside. Absolutely, and in fact both universities um, have got incredible campuses, so Newton Park for, for Bar Spa University as well is right in the countryside. But up here, yeah, and they're, they're right on the Skyline Walk, right next to Bathampton Woods. It's, it's beautiful and then you've got great views across the rest of Bath. It's very, very green. And where are we walking to today? We are going across Bushy Norwood and then along Barthampton Woods, over Barthampton Down and then to Sham Castle and then skirting up back past the golf course and back into the university. Fabulous. Let's go and meet them. Hi, I'm Josie. I'm a final year sociology and social policy student at the Uni of Bath. Hi, I'm Anuj. I'm a final year international development and economics student. Hi, I'm Amber and I'm a final year biology student. Hello, I'm Zidong Zhao. I'm in the master's programme. I'm Kasha and I'm a first-year psychology student. 
and off we go. How many of you have been beyond this gate? One, excellent. Okay, well, I'm about to show you a part of uh, your local area that you haven't seen before, so that's great. We have literally just left the university and we're right out in what feels like the countryside. Big open green space, walking towards um, Sham Castle. Um, so this is Bushy Norwood. It's owned by the National Trust. So this is open parkland, mainly lots of oak trees, things like that. My name's Anage. I'm a backmarker. So I wanted to volunteer for Bathscape. And I've also got an interest in mental health and volunteering in mental health and maybe building a career working uh, with people that struggle with their mental, mental health. Oak trees support about 2,300 different species of animal, plant, bug, bird, all make their homes in oak trees. It's not the best time of year to see them, obviously, because it hasn't got leaves on the trees, but that's your, that's your oak tree. Right. And we've got about nine of us on this walk today, and it's pretty horrible weather. It's drizzling with rain, but there's a lot of cheerfulness, isn't there? Yeah, I think... That's good. It, that's a good point. It's uh, I think it's a really, it's not really nice route. Uh, Bath has such lovely views, and actually, for for a city, it doesn't really feel like a city. It's actually quite a small, small town. Lots of greenery, very pretty. Nothing like if you're in a big city like London. There are leaves which are smooth edged as well. So when the tree gets older and higher. Actually, it doesn't need these spikes on it anymore because that's for that's defence against animals eating it. So you sometimes see, and you think, that looks like a holly tree, but it hasn't got the spiky leaves, and it's because it's smooth leaves. You can just about see it at the top there. So they can live to up to 300 years old, and as they get older and higher, the leaves don't need to come out like that anymore. Yeah. And we're going to see something later living in it. So have you been on wellbeing walks before? Yeah, so I volunteer with Bathscape, so we do um, a few a few walks a week with not just at the university, but we've been to like Time, what's it? it's called like Time Bank in Twerton as well, which is like helping other people kind of feel more connected to the community, going on walks and just like chatting with people really. I think it makes a big difference, particularly after COVID when everyone's feeling a bit like, alone, that kind of thing. What degree are you doing? I'm doing sociology and social policy. Yeah. Well, it's a fantastic university you've picked, haven't you? Where's home? Where did you come from? Eastbourne, so down the, down the coast from Brighton. It's like a small seaside town. Well, you come from the far end of the South Downs, don't you? Yeah, I do indeed. So I do miss the sea sometimes, but Bath's that countryside is like a good substitute for those views. Lords and ladies, this plant is called, the way it pollinates is it, it, it gets a big spike like flower grows up with the leaf around it and that spike heats up during the day and attracts flies into it and then the flies go down into the base of the leaves and then the hairs of the plant trap them in there overnight and then they hang around, flying around in all of the pollen and then the next day, the hairs kind of come back and then they fly off and then they go into another, um, 
another plant, which then traps them in the leaves and then all their pollen comes off and that's how they pollinate. I'm a student ambassador for the University of Bath's wellbeing team. So I help to create, think of and put on services and events for students, especially in Be Well Week, so to promote mental health, but all throughout the year as well. And this is one of the events that students could partake in in Be Well Week. Tell me more about what happens in Be Well Week. So in Be Well Week, the wellbeing team from Student Services put on lots of different events, whether that be workshops or, and mental health advice or something like this event, so the wellbeing walk, just to promote good coping mechanisms and activities for students. I mean, we hear a lot about how young people have suffered, really, through the pandemic and beyond with their mental health. Would you agree that that's happened? Oh, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Students from all ages, all backgrounds, everyone dealt with the lockdown and the pandemic differently, but students especially uh, found it quite difficult. Despite the weather, it's just magical out here, isn't it? The view down through there with all of the moss, it does feel rainforesty or prehistoric, really. I mean, ferns have been the same evolutionarily for millennia. They predate trees, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And so you're looking at quite, you know, it could have looked like this thousands of years ago. Wow. This is another really good place to come in summer, particularly if you like wildflowers. So you've got pyramidal orchids here and um, common spotted orchids. So, again, from about late May, early June, they're just all over this area. So, And it'll be much drier through the woods. So well worth coming. Why have you come today? Um, well, I've been volunteering with Bathscapes for about five weeks now. Um, I do the weekly walks on a Wednesday morning and um, I saw that they were doing a walk, the wellbeing walk with the university, so I thought I'd come along to get a bit more experience. Brilliant. I think wellbeing isn't necessarily, you know, just being happy all the time, but it's about being able to overcome challenges It's being able to take the difficulties in life and find a healthy way to adapt and overcome them. And uh, how important is it to you to be out in the countryside like where we are at the moment? I think it is really important, obviously, for exercise, which is also really important for your mental health. And... I think it's just a good opportunity to learn more about your surroundings and the beautiful history behind it all. Where's home for you? Birmingham. Birmingham, okay. So Bath's very different to Birmingham, I imagine, is it? Yeah, it's very different. There's a lot more countryside here. And do you get out a lot? In Bath, yes, because there's lots to do and explore here. A little less in Birmingham. So are you a keen walker or do you like to do something when you're outside? I enjoy going on walks. 
and I'm happy to either kind of go hiking style, like on a mission to go and find something, or to just kind of go slowly and look at any of the interesting things you see on the way. So during the pandemic, I actually went back home and I really noticed the absence of like outside opportunities like we have here. So that was one of the main things that I wanted to be doing during lockdown, like going on nice walks and enjoying being able to be outside and still kind of see the world, but there weren't as many options to do that in a natural way where I was living. And I guess, you know, you didn't have all your fellow students around you. No, fortunately I had friends from home, but it was a little isolating at times. Yeah, yeah and a lot of students must have found that really hard, I think. Yeah, we had a lot of support here at Bath. There were a lot of community things, so even when you weren't on campus, you still felt like you were part of it. But it's definitely nice being physically back and around people again. Oh, thank you, and good luck with your finals, which must be coming up, are they? Yes, so thank you. <laughs> thanks ever so much for coming yeah, for and coming. enjoying the um, mud and the rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Feeling well-beinged. <laughs> thanks, Lucy, for a great walk and thanks to all the students who spoke to me. Details of Bathscape's wellbeing walks can all be found on the website bathscape.co.uk. Now it's time to meet Chris Pound. He is credited with being one of the movers and shakers behind the city of Bath being listed as a UNESCO World Heritage Site for the second time, this time as one of the great spa towns of Europe. He's also very knowledgeable about how landscapes have been considered to be therapeutic. And here he is to tell us all about it. I'm Chris Pound. I started life as an architect and a town planner and I've been living and working in Bath for nearly 50 years. Uh, my recent project has been working on the nomination of the great spas of Europe, and they were inscribed on the World Heritage, UNESCO's World Heritage List in July 2021. Now, one of the attributes uh, for the nomination was that all of the sites uh, had a therapeutic landscape. We've called it a, a therapeutic spa landscape just to uh, draw attention to the springs and the, the use of the land. I was asked a little while back uh, what is a therapeutic landscape and it's a relatively new concept. It was devised by an American in 1992 and he was describing a healing place and he meant mental and spiritual healing as well as health, physical. But he looked at four environments which he thought made up a therapeutic landscape and these were a landscape environment but also a built environment. The buildings are important. It was a social environment and a symbolic environment, which is a bit more tricky to, to get your head around. Now, that sounds rather complex. The philosopher David Hume said that all complex ideas are built from or have uh, simple ideas within them. So I've got my thoughts together with four or five bullet points here 
on my notes. If you can imagine a playing card with five spots on it, we can look at each spot in turn and move around without going down a ranking order. The first spot, which is the obvious one, is landscape and an essential part of a, a therapeutic landscape, a healing place, is an attractive landscape. It got to, it's got to look good. But there are meanings in the landscape, and some of, it, some of these are ambiguous. There's a historical landscape. We can walk around and look at Iron Age enclosures or relics of industry. There are some people who would say a heritage landscape will also make you feel good. You're looking at the past. The landscape around Bath is its setting and it informs the character of the city. We can stand in quite a few places and see most of the city in front of us and behind us will be landscape, countryside. Now, some would say this is uh, particularly beautiful. Landscape and its beauty is rather idealised. We are informed by the romanticism of the uh, late 18th century and early 19th century, and that conditions us to think what we like to see and what we think is beautiful. And in the 19th century, there were a lot of rather learned books on the sublime and the beautiful. But the role of landscape can go right back to the 15th century. Alberti describes landscape paintings being hung on walls because it gives you pleasure. And that, I think, was a, a, a rather a, well, it's a rather pertinent point because we are getting pleasure from looking at uh, the landscape. Now, if we could move around to my second group of concepts. I call that medicine. So we move sideways across our playing card and we have early doctors in Bath who were recommending that their patients get out and ride or walk in the surrounding countryside. Uh, the first doctor is George Chain. He was a very fashionable doctor. He had a practice in London and I think he lived in Monmouth Place or somewhere around there. His house is not known. But he was a huge man. He was quite unfit. But he recommended his patients get out and ride and walk. There were others. Uh, John Wood, the architect in describing Bath, talks about the rides that were available, uh, up, particularly around Lansdowne. He also describes what you see when you get there. Gainsborough came to Bath, partly because of his health, but also because there would be a lot of clients here. His doctor recommended that he gets out and ride every day. Now, those rides actually were quite productive because he went with uh, two friends, Uvedale Price and Oziah Humphrey, who was a local artist uh, living in the city. And they got on the horses and they, uh, they travelled around. But their conversation led to rather important books on defining the picturesque as uh, identifying a character of, of the countryside. Now, that's the 18th century. 
19th century, we're getting um, a lot more established uh, doctors who were offering views on keeping healthy as opposed to curing disease. A Dr Tunstall wrote some articles in the local paper and he brought them together in books called Rambles About Bath. They were very popular and the books were in print for about 50 years. But he described little walks and persuaded people to get out and take walks for their health and enjoyment. Now, I know that Bathscape have been encouraging uh, walks uh, as part of their, their work of uh, bringing the surrounding countryside uh, to the attention of every, to all of us. And there is a walking festival and well-being walks uh, are run from the centre of the city. What will be happening more is social prescribing, where the GPs will take people like me, get out and walk, don't eat so much, don't drink so much. <laughs> that was the cure in all of the spas that, that we, we were uh, grouped with. So uh, walking in the countryside is a good thing. It's a part of well-being here. Wilbur Gessler called a symbolic environment as part of uh, his therapeutic landscape. This is much more difficult to define, but it, it is partly the reputation of the place and the reputation of the city as a place to get healed or to have a good time. But landscape has various meanings. The rivers were a boundary or a hazard, but they reappear in a lot of paintings and a lot of descriptions of the city. The obvious ones, also which were symbols, were holy wells and churches, the church spires. They were landmarks. We have our other symbols, which uh, centre on Bladed, who was the king, the founding father of Bath. Here we have Celtic beliefs translated into a Christian story. Early Bath and before the Reformation, uh, there were pilgrimages, which, partly symbolic, there would be markers along the way. And when the Enlightenment came along in the 18th century, they uh, really wanted a pursuit of order. So the old uh, belief system uh, uh, was replaced by an order, getting things done in a particular way. And that applied to the relationship of the buildings that came up in 18th century Bath, where the form of the buildings uh, were addressing or embracing nature. Now, I got a two uh, of my spots on my playing card. I go back sideways, and one of them I've just called Prospect. This is... Uh, such an important part of experiencing the landscape in Bath and it's probably something that does you uh, good when you enjoy a good prospect. If you go up into Beach and Cliff, you can see an awful lot of the city from uh, the top of the cliff and Jane Austen describes uh, in Northanger Abbey, describes her character, she takes her characters up there and they look at the landscape. But there are other 
wonderful viewpoints, uh, prospect style up around Lansdowne, Brown's Folly on the other side of the city, and there's a seat at South Stoke where you can sit and look at a, a, a tremendous value. So either they're identified as a prospect place, prospect style, or there are places that you will find as you walk around the city that you enjoy that particular view. Now, the views from high ground were brought into art in the 17th century, Claude de Lorraine, Poussin, and they rather romanticised a, a viewpoint. Claude de Lorraine prepared his paintings with, a, with a, a style with people on the high ground in the foreground looking back into a landscape, and so he had got constructed his pictures to enjoy a particular viewpoint. Uh, there is a theory that uh, the architects and developers of Lansdowne Crescent were trying to repeat a Claude of Lorraine picture looking down into the, the river valley below. There is a geographer called Appleton. He has what he describes as habitat theory, that in our inner selves as primitive people, we would have gone high into a cave and looked back across the valley to see either food down there wandering along or enemies coming. So it is a refuge and a prospect. And that viewpoint is built into our DNA that we enjoy a particular view because that's we feel safe. Humphrey Repton was a, a garden designer and he describes the pleasure of seeing a prospect as soul-expanding delight. And from this and some other similar essays, you could see that a prospect actually made you feel good. You felt safe, there is a refuge. So that provides, I think, pleasure. Now, my last spot I've put in my mind's eye on my playing card, right in the middle, and that is nature. If we are immersed in nature or green spaces or in woods, uh, then we will feel good. It's a comfortable place to be. Linked to this is climate and sunlight. Dr Tunstall, that I remember we talked about earlier, um, he wrote a book on climate, advocating Bath as much better than going to Spain, and the climate was good. Uh, another author, quite different, is Mark Twain. He uh, describes being in the forests in Marialansky in uh, the Czech Republic, and he describes the quietness. Uh, he called it a forest hush. Uh, the Japanese have got something quite different. Um, they go into a forest for forest washing, partly to be there on their own. Uh, I had to write this down. It's called Shinrin Yoku, and uh, that is where you can go and refresh yourself, spiritually refresh yourself, by being in the quietness of a wood. Exposure and immersion in nature is held to combat loneliness and sort out our uh, demons. Uh, the government, in their 25-year environment plan, have advocated 
that being close to nature is going to be good for our physical and mental health. Now, on my notes, I've got this as being both pleasure and well-being. So uh, whether they're the same, I don't know. That's something to go and think about in our therapeutic landscape. Thanks so much there to Chris Pound for talking so eloquently about the therapeutic landscape. Talking of which, if you've never been to Bath City Farm, do go up there. The views over Bath are magnificent and there's a great cafe to relax in after you've walked the fields and seen the animals. And one of the activities happening at the farm are the natural pathway sessions. These are run as part of Bathsgate by George Cook, the People and Wildlife Officer for the Avon Wildlife Trust. I met up with him and started by asking him about the group. It's quite a, a nice, friendly group, really. We do a wide variety of different things, trying to promote more wildlife to the farm, look after the wildlife that the farm already has. So we do a lot of practical work, helping out manage habitats, uh, creating new habitats. But then the group's also aimed at just getting people more connected to nature, noticing more of the wildlife around them. So we do things, yeah, like survey skills, wildlife ID, and also just like slower activities like crafts and like nature-based mindfulness things that are trying to basically use nature to help people feel better so the groups advertise that people who maybe already suffer a little bit with anxiety or depression or low mood or for just people who think they could benefit really from a bit of time outside so we have this focus on yeah getting people outside doing some nice things for nature and hopefully using nature to make them feel better but yeah we definitely take things quite slow um sometimes we just have little activities where we just go for a walk see what we see what we spot or little sit spots where we send people off to sit down for a little while and just pay attention to what they can see for 10 minutes keep your phone away try not to worry about things just what can you hear what can you see what can you smell what can you touch just for 10 minutes and that's definitely something that people don't do in, in their day-to-day lives that much anymore is just sit and notice things so yeah definitely definitely slower pace for sure you're right aren't you because I mean those of us who love getting out into nature are very used to going for a walk but it's quite hard Mm. to just stop sometimes and be and sit for any longer than just looking at the view for a few minutes yeah and I think like you said if, if you're already used to those things and you go for a walk it's um yeah, sort of normal to do those. But if, you, if you're not the sort of person that goes out on walks, it can seem a little bit, little bit strange. So yeah, we sort of yeah teach people the skills really of going out and having a wonder. And I think some of the science shows it's not just time outside; it's what you do while you're outside in nature as well. So it's um, going for a walk, but yeah, also trying to notice things around you. So if you were to just go for a walk and you're still thinking about your emails or your job, you're not going to have as much benefits if you're going for a walk, but you're trying to listen to the birds singing or you're looking for the different shaped leaves that you can see on the floor around you. So um, it's um, definitely trying to teach people that skill of noticing things a bit more when they're out and about. Is it part of the five steps to well-being, this idea that, you know, it's not just about being, but it's about noticing and learning and looking? Yeah, so we actually 
Well, I, when I'm creating my sessions, I, I base it on what we call the five pathways to nature connection, which is um, similar to the five ways to well-being. There was a bit of overlap there. But the five pathways to nature connection were from the University of Derby, who initially did a lot of research into nature connection and how people feel more connected to nature and the benefits of being connected to nature. Um, and they came up with these five pathways and they found that if people feel more connected to nature, they tend to feel happier in themselves, have greater feelings of like life satisfaction. But if you're also more connected to nature, you're more likely to take action to look after nature as well. So I think that's quite an interesting idea that if we can get people connected to nature, not only will they feel better, but they're also more likely to help protect nature as well. So that's a bit of a win-win if you can get people connected to nature. Yeah, and they came up with these five pathways. So a lot of our activities are based around these pathways. And one of those is senses. So taking notice through your senses. And that's sort of like the first one, really. So we always start the sessions with a little bit of a grounding, which is basically just couple minutes cycling through the senses what can you see hear smell touch so that's just one of the pathways is take notice okay and what what are the other ones I mean I think I've read one of them is about appreciating beauty in nature so I guess if you're using the first pathway which is senses taking notice of things when, when you're doing that that might lead on nicely to another pathway which is beauty and I think we all know that there is beauty in nature on nice sunny days um that might be easier to spot than in the depths of winter but I mean I mean yeah just a quick scroll on Instagram you're going to see people love to share the beauty of nature sunsets rainbows puppies butterflies flowers but there's harder to spot beauty as well in even in just like the structure of a leaf or yeah the patterns in the clouds And I think they think some of the benefit that we get from being outside might be in taking closer notice of these patterns and colours in nature's. There's a type of pattern called a fractal pattern, which is a pattern that repeats itself on lots of different scales and like spirals and things like that. If you think about a snail shell that like curls right into the middle. And I think looking at some of these patterns in nature can like soothe the brain and lower stress levels. They think by actually how the eye moves around the pattern. So yeah, if you just can stop and just like appreciate some of these, like the beauty in the sky or the patterns on a tree bark or something, um, just by looking at that itself can yeah reduce your stress levels, hopefully make you feel a bit better. So that's the beauty pathway, which is a nice one. The next one is emotion. So thinking about how you feel when you're outside. Quite often people report that that is relaxed or calm, which are nice ones, but it can be however you feel when you're outside, just taking the time to notice how being outside is making you feel. And I sometimes say that for me, especially not this time of year, the other end when the clocks go backwards and the nights draw in and the insects are gone, no more butterflies. For, for me, being outside at that time can be a little bit difficult. I feel a little bit melancholy. I feel a bit sad that those days are gone. And it's just being aware that there's nothing wrong with those feelings of sadness or anxiety. It's just noticing those feelings as they come up. Um, yeah, paying attention to them and just letting them actually pass on. So yeah, that's the emotion pathway, just noticing how you feel when you're outside. Then there's compassion. So studies have shown that if you do something kind for someone else, you also get a, a well-being boost as doing something kind for someone else. Sometimes that's a, a greater boost to you than the person who's receiving the kindness. And the same, it can be 
thought of with nature as well. So if you can do something kind for nature, whether that is recycling or eating less meat or planting some wildflowers or building a little bug hotel or putting a bird box up, you feel more connected to nature because you're doing something to help look after it. Um, So, yeah, a lot of the stuff we do at the farm that might be looking after like managing the ponds, clearing out the ponds, putting up bird boxes. Um, you feel more connected to the farm and to nature because you're doing something kind to look after it. And then the fifth pathway is meaning. So that's thinking about how we can find meaning in the natural world and how we can create stories in nature. So that's thinking about like festivals and like national events that tie in with the natural world or how we just can use nature to find meaning in other ways. So I often talk about this time of year for me hearing the first singing chiff chaff. That means that spring is coming. So or like the first swallows returning. So like using nature, how we can feel more in sync with the maybe the seasons and just feeling more connected to nature by finding meaning and story in the natural world. And that's the that's the last pathway. <laughs> wow. That's so rich, isn't it? Beautiful, all those things. And uh, how wonderful that you're doing these sessions for people that will benefit so hugely from them. Mm-hmm. Tell me how people can get involved if they want to join. Um, yes, so if you want to come along and you think you'd benefit from a bit of time outside you can get in contact with Bath City Farm so if you can email them and they'll like have a little chat with you tell you a bit more about the group and you can sign up that way but the sessions are every Thursday half 10 till 2 30 and you can always come along see if you like it see if it's for you and then we can go forward from there. Thank you so much George that's just fabulous I think uh, <laughs> no lots problem. of people will, will come along now. That'd be nice happy to have them thanks Pommy. Well, that's it for this episode of Footprints. Thank you for joining me. And don't forget, you can listen to all the previous episodes anytime you like. Please share as widely as you can with friends, family and colleagues. And for more information on Bathscape, visit the website bathscape.co.uk. We're grateful to the National Lottery Heritage Fund and players of the National Lottery for supporting our work. Footprints was hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer. And I'll see you next month.